0: I continued to work part time. Uh, I I continued to make sure that I had the income to pay rent and pay my bills. Uh, But that, and obviously, and sometimes that actually meant working full time and then doing, uh, you know, these passion projects as they were then in my in my spare time, which was still a lot of work. And so, but eventually, eventually, as you started to get little wins, um, on the passion side of things. And as soon as you started to be able to turn that passion into an income, I could reduce the amount of, uh, perhaps less fulfilling work that I was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and as soon as I got to a place where I could at least make a a living, scrape by just doing what I love, I made that jump because that freed up so much more time to invest in it. And even though I perhaps wasn't, uh, making a fortune just yet, I do think that you it's where you put energy in that is where you're going to receive and where you're going to see the biggest, um, you know, the biggest amount of growth. So I had to just take that leap of faith and go, all right, I guess I'm a full-time herb nerd now, possibly the only one. And God, I hope this works out. And for the most part it has.
1: I'm Dan Brovey, and this is Quit Your Day Job, a podcast for frustrated creatives. This podcast is all about finding a way to facilitate your passions through the work that you are doing on the daily. My guest today is Rhys Carter, aka The Herb Nerd, who has taken his love for creating remedies from things he's grown in his own garden to building a platform where he can share ideas via videos for social media, TV appearances, speaking gigs, and now books. Reese talks about his daily process, his mindset, and even his fears in stepping out from his work as a naturopath, working one-on-one with clients, into the media space where he's now sharing ideas with a much broader audience. This is one of my most favorite discussions that I've had on the show so far because Reese is at such an interesting stage in his journey that many of the ideas he shares are directly relatable to anyone who's looking to turn what they love into what they do. We discuss the benefits of making and sharing content for free in order to develop your tone of voice, work out your point of view, and enhance your ability to relay your message. Another interesting topic that comes up is, in order to build your offering, you don't necessarily need to know how to do every step of the process yourself. Instead, your role becomes one of a project manager as you pull in the skills of talented friends or professionals in order to share your message. Another thing worth noting is how clever it is that Reese has branded himself the Herb Nerd. It's simple, it has a nice ring to it, but most importantly, you can tell exactly what he's offering specialized knowledge in plant-based wellness. This idea of distilling your offering into key terms has come up a lot in interviews so far. You may do a lot of things really well, but it actually helps to pigeonhole yourself as doing one thing better than anyone else, so that people know to come to you for that thing. It also acts like a filter, so that you make sure all of your content, while establishing your place in the market, reinforces your key offering. There are so many pearls of wisdom here from Reese. I'm going to post what I believe are some of the most useful takeaways as text boxes on my Instagram page, which you can use as thought starters or refreshers after listening to the conversation. You'll find them on my Instagram at Dan Brophy. But before we go to the interview, I want to make a special shout out for anyone who would like some help with their passion project whether it be trying to work out what you are passionate about in the first place, all the way through to if you are stuck working on a pre-existing project. If you think it would be helpful for you to have someone to bounce ideas off, or if you'd like me to give you some tools that I know have helped me in the past, I would love to have a chat with you either in person or via Skype. I'm looking to develop a methodology to help people work in this space, so it would be as great a help to me as I hope it would be for you feel free to drop me a line via Instagram direct message or email me at danbrophy at gmail.com. As always, if you are a fan of the podcast, give it a rating in iTunes, subscribe if you aren't already, and most importantly, share it with someone who you think may find it helpful. And now, without further ado, here's my chat with the herb nerd himself, Rhys Carter.
0: Thanks for the cup of tea. My
1: pleasure. Well, it's so hard to know what to offer a herbalist.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, you got it absolutely right. Peppermint tea is perfect.
1: Well, actually, on that, I mean, I'd like to know what... I mean, I hear that peppermint tea is so great, but there's so many things that I want to ask you about your area of specialty. But first things first, when someone says to you, hey, what do you do, what do you tell them? I sit them
0: down for about half an hour before I really launch into and list all the things I do. Um, Really, I am a herbalist. I'm a naturopath. Um... But I suppose just in recent years, it's moved more towards health media, I suppose, and uh, and finding a way to communicate my messages around natural health to a larger audience instead of just the one-on-one consultation. So I write books, I work in television, uh, I create some um, video content online myself. Um, yeah, and then I write for a couple of magazines and just basically anyone who will listen to me, I'm spreading the word of natural
1: health. And how long is that... Process. I mean, and what has that process looked like for you going from someone? Because I mean, we've known each other for maybe eight years or so. Yeah, seven, eight years. And at the and you know, if I and the earlier part of that, whenever we would chat, you were studying. Yep. You were thinking actually about being a naturopath. Yes. And somewhere along the way, I suppose social media happened in a much bigger way than anyone could have guessed. So is that when the idea of going I'm going to be a naturopath too. Or I can actually present this information to. I can be like, look, the world's naturopath. Yeah, I mean, look. I suppose in a
0: sense, it did become much easier for everybody to share their wealth of knowledge, to share their share their voice with social media, and that was certainly an important tool for me. But I suppose when you and I first met, and I was doing my degree, um, I still at that point anticipated being a clinical naturopath full time. Um, After I, but before I'd actually met you, sorry, uh, before I'd met you, I'd been traveling kind of, I took one gap year after high school, which turned into five, common story, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Eventually worked out this is what it was, wanted to be a naturopath, moved to Melbourne, made it happen. Turned out at the end of that, I wasn't quite ready to stop traveling. So I moved to LA and it was really just being surrounded by all those creatives uh, in all different fields and all different types that made me think, oh wow, I actually want to find a way to uh, get involved with with media, and you know, uh, as you say, kind of spreading the message a little wider.
1: And so, if you were to, so yeah, was it in LA that you thought oh, this could actually be? I could combine the thing that I love to do with a media career. Is that when the idea? Yeah, absolutely.
0: I was actually living with a friend of mine, Nick, who's to work here. Nick Hardcastle. He used to work in television here in Australia, and he was he'd um, moved to Los Angeles, and it was kind of um, his idea and we just ran with it. Uh, it was a little bit difficult for me over there to practice just because of the difference in qualifications. So I thought, well, what can I do with my time? He had all of these amazing connections to videographers and you know, um, we found beautiful locations in West Hollywood and um, it was his idea to do this little web series. So we filmed four episodes and they just took off. Uh, more so here, interestingly. I had to go to LA to make the videos for it to work out here. Um, when you
1: were doing those videos, did it, were you doing it from, as in, was it obvious to the viewer that you were in LA?
0: Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I think it um, it made it look like I was living an ultra glamorous life in Hollywood when really it was kind of, you know, we were doing it on the smell of an oily rag, kind of yeah. <laughs> like just in a tiny little kitchen, just making it look a lot, a lot more polished than it was. Um, but I think in Australia that translated to,
1: oh my God, he's made it in Hollywood. Yeah. Look at him go. He's internet. Well, that's the funny thing about as Australians, we value anyone's. Else's opinion of us more than we've yeah, got yeah. our own opinion yeah. of us. Yeah. We'll just this gonna we'll, Snake out. Um, Archie, you need to chill out, babe. Seems pretty chill. He's super chill, but normally he's like on the ground chill. Just, is that him being hyperactive? This is him. This is his. This is him being hyperactive. <laughs> um, so, what did those first? What did the first few videos of that you the the, the four part series that you made? Yep. were you demonstrating how tos?
0: It was they were how tos. It was I was kind of thinking, okay, what's not being done in natural health because there are so many amazing people already doing fitness, already doing food, um, and the light bulb moment was well, just do what you love, which is home herbal remedies. I. Um, my my passion is kind of growing my own remedies sourcing them from a farmer's market taking them home and understanding because of my naturopathic background how you can turn them into home remedies for day-to-day ailments that really work so that's what i was um filming and i think the first one was like an aloe vera and witch hazel eye gel um and then like a a elderflower uh, like icy pole, I suppose you call it, or popsicle over there um, for like hay fever and allergies. And so things like that. Uh, and I think that that kind of offers something a bit unique in that health space. And that's why they, they did really well.
1: Cause I feel like when people are, have been getting really inspired by health how to's, whether it be the exercise space or the food space and the design space and, and what you're describing as well, it's almost like it's not just the information that you're giving people, which benefits them. It's you're giving them the chance to feel like they are a creative or they are, uh, you know, they're having their own little journey into an apothecary kind of <laughs> absolutely experience and, and in I their think, back garden.
0: I think even if, even if they only go on to make one of my remedies or even if they go on to make none, I think people love the idea that they can and that's something that's easily accessible for them and that they can play a part in this kind of, you know, apothecary, uh, herbalist space. So people get really excited about that. Do they always go on and do it? No, but... They like the idea that they can.
1: <laughs> yeah, and also, I mean, it's, there's something to be said. Um, here, go for it if you need to sip as we sip go. my tea. <clears throat> and so, w- even backtracking to pre-deciding to study naturopathy, mm-hmm. when you were in that sort of... So, you grew up in Perth.
0: I grew up in country Western Australia. So, I actually grew up on a farm in the Wheat belt, like the nearest town less than 200 people Like they just exist to serve the farms so i suppose i always grew up with that connection to the land um and my pop uh had the most amazing vegetable and herb garden um and i think i spent my entire childhood trying to replicate that and never matched his but his was there's no other word for it. absolutely magical like i just remember us running around picking the gooseberries um he would always be tinkering away in the shed it was really really lovely and so I've always had the hobby of kind of growing my own vegetables and herbs since then. Um, and then as a, you know, I went to boarding school as a teenager, um, like so many teenagers kind of, you know, guys especially that got into the gym at one point point. was like, oh my god, I just grew two feet in a week, I need to kind of uh, get rid of this string bean image. Um, and so it just kind of grew from there, my interest in fitness, moved to an interest in nutrition, moved to an interest in natural therapies in general. Um, and when I decided to study it, I realised that I can actually piece all of these things together. So the, the growing right through to the manufacture of remedies. I think the thing that really excites people who are following my journey or watching or reading, uh, I think what they really love is the idea that they can actually get hands-on and connected with their their health and wellness. This is about growing your own or sourcing your own uh, and understanding not only what you're putting in your body, but why you're doing it. Um, And so the growing element for me was actually uh, really important because it means people kind of get to make their cold and flu remedy or whatever it may be, from start to finish. And I think there's something really beautiful about that.
1: Would you, uh, have, I mean, have you always designed a lifestyle that allowed you to grow stuff? Have you always lived in a space where you had a garden or, you know, when you haven't been able to do that, how do you feel balanced living in an apartment? Look, I mean, I live
0: in Sydney right now and Sydney rents meant very small space. Um, but all I've got is a little balcony, uh, but I've kind of turned it into a vertical garden. So you don't actually need an enormous amount. And when I'm talking about herbal medicine, if you've got a window, you can put a planter box, grow yourself some peppermint, grow yourself some lemon balm, grow yourself some chamomile, and you between those three, you've got enough for fresh leaf sleep teas, for relaxing, for digestion. Um, you don't have to, you know, have a farm in your backyard, I suppose. It is something that we can all do to some degree.
1: So if you were to say, for example, I I'm probably a perfect candidate for someone who could embrace some of this stuff because I'm pretty good with my hands. I like the idea that I could be someone who grows their own stuff. Mm-hmm. I've got a teeny tiny garden that gets decent sun at the back and I and I probably like to dedicate some portion of my weekend to doing nice things around the house. Yep. So, you know, how much could I realistically tend to do something like that if I gave it, you know, a couple of hours a weekend or
0: Absolutely. Know? The thing that uh, most people don't realize about herbs is the word is actually almost interchangeable with weeds like the reason these the reason we understand the therapeutic properties of these so well is that all of these plants were widely available to the masses you know and especially so what i really practice is is western european herbal medicine so a lot of what we use as herbs are just things that grow wildly over there and crazy so they re- they don't need much generally speaking they don't need much um a couple of hours a week is more than enough attention to give them uh, yeah so you can it's just great. pick a few pick a few get started
1: so what's that journey been like to because i mean just to give people an idea to bring them up to speed on where you are now when you arrived today you gave me a bottle of a magical tonic that <laughs> you, it is a magical um, tonic that well which i'm I'd lo- I, I need to know what that will help facilitate for me health wise <laughs> if, if i if i take it as recommended and i know that you've got a Book that's about yes. to come out. is that
0: your first book? It's my first book. Okay, amazing.
1: Yeah. And is the video that is is the video an ongoing thing for you as well?
0: Yes. Okay. So I'll touch on I'll touch on the book first, just because the videos that we talked about before uh, that was the Garden Apothecary web series, uh, and it's turning turned into the Garden Apothecary book. So I uh, I met with a publisher here in Australia who thankfully loved the idea um, and kind of. of the book was already written because they're remedies that I'd been making or that I was using myself and it was just a matter of kind of tying it all together. Uh, And yeah, that's out in June and it's kind of split into not only how you grow these plants but how do you make natural beauty remedies, for example. There's a whole chapter on that. There's a chapter on immune tonics. There's a chapter on gut health. There's a, you know, stress and sleep. All of those day-to-day ailments that um, I think is going to interest people who are like yourself who are already you know fairly aware of health and wellness and they're moving their body and they're eating well but the next question is god i'm doing everything right but i still get migraines or i'm doing everything right but why can i not fall asleep and so Mm. it's giving that next level of understanding beyond just this is good nutrition to this is what these individual plants do in the body when used at you know, this level in this way taken at this time. Um, so hopefully empowering people who read the book, uh, even if they only have one or two remedies that are there yet, yeah, absolutely. I've got to make this skin cream for my eczema and they do it time and time and time again. Um, it's just that next level, I guess, of, of taking charge of your health and wellness.
1: So if someone were to, so is the, could someone who was pretty unavailable to growing anything themselves, Read the book and be inspired by you know essential oils that they could get or things they could just buy to have natural remedies.
0: Absolutely, I um I also list stockists in there for the dried herbs because let's face it, the growing and the picking and the drying. Mm. In an ideal world, that sounds like so romantic and so much fun.
1: Yeah, not everyone's gonna do it. Um, It's also two. It's almost like two different markets that might cross over. One of them is the person who can can tend to all that. The other person the Someone who wants to integrate them into their diet and wellness practice, yep. and there would be some crossover, but they're almost two different people yeah. in the sense two different lifestyles. Absolutely,
0: and I, but I hope that the book offers something for both, and also maybe inspires them to try mm. the opposite. You know, yeah. um, I I think that there's enough entry points in the book that wherever you're at on your wellness journey, you can get in and give it a try. You know, um, some of the remedies, like it might be as simple as making. A peppermint lip balm, for example, which actually uses the essential oil rather than the fresh plant. It's like four ingredients. It honestly takes about two minutes, but people love it. Like people love the fact that they've made their own. It's completely clean. They know what's in it. Um, they can give it to other people. I was about to say, it's, give it to
1: someone, and if yeah. it costs very little and took very little time, but feels really impressive. To it's, it give does
0: exactly exactly. Yeah, I made you a lip balm. Yeah, no big
1: deal. Oh, how about that? Yeah, I like that idea because also, I mean, it feels like in the last couple of years the world has become more available to this and i wonder whether it's have we always been interested in it and needing a and now we just need it more than ever or has social media just given us a chance to share ideas so much better that now this sort of thing is coming to the fore because you know i feel like people who are doing this in the food space or in the the general wellness practitioner mm. space it seems to me now more than ever it's Around. And yeah. I, and I wonder whether it's necessary more than ever. Look, I think... I
0: think it's... I mean, look, social media has certainly been kind of a vehicle for it, and it's certainly... We see so much of it on there. Some of it good, some of it not so good. I will say there is a lot of uh, people with an internet connection and an opinion (laughs) and that that's enough to start giving health advice. And sometimes it depending on how far they push it and whether they're just explaining their own personal journey or if they're giving prescriptive advice, it can be a little bit touch and go, but there's no doubt that social media has played a huge part in it. I think the other and perhaps the, the the bigger factor as to why natural wellness in general is, is kind of seeing a, a renaissance of sorts is that, um, people are growing fatigued of the, of the limited number of options. And I am very much a complementary therapist, not an alternative therapist. I have all the respect in the world for, for what modern medicine can do, um, but I think it has its limitations as well. And I think that in terms of chronic health disorders, I think in terms of those syndromes that don't, no one knows yet exactly how they come about, or they can be a collection of different uh, causes, Uh, I think that's where natural therapies offer a really exciting advantage because they're more about restoring the body's natural healing mechanisms rather than kind of viewing the human body as, as you would your car and you see a broken part and you fix that one individual part. It's understanding, you know, the human body is not just a complex organism, but as a complex ecosystem of sorts, because you've got just as much bacteria in you as you do human cells, you know, no. although we learn all of the different bodily systems individually, they actually all of course uh, are connected to one another. So this kind of holistic approach to healthcare offers answers to things that people are frustrated that they can't find elsewhere, I suppose.
1: Yeah. Do you, I mean the way in which I feel like when I speak to friends who are really versed in this world, they're preaching to the converted with me because I'm really, you know, I want to try as many different options of remedies and wellness practices as possible to find my own yeah. uh, amalgamation of styles. Yeah. But I imagine you would come up against people for whom you're presenting ideas that are very challenging to the way they've always done things. Or, you know, would do you ever find yourself in conversations with very old school, you know, science-based, medical-minded people who challenge what you...
0: Oh, absolutely. And I think that the only way I can deal with that is to make sure that I'm as, I continue to be as informed and as educated as I can be. And that means, because although I practice under the kind uh, of an umbrella of traditional medicine that has a very long history, I still like to think all of my practice is informed by modern science as well. And I think that where the healthcare system in general should be going is where we can draw from both of those um both of those elements i suppose so i've never come across an argument that i don't have an answer for put it Great. that way. <laughs> okay good to know
1: <laughs> cuz i'm i find myself sometimes with my very limited understanding arguing points against people who are much more traditional in their practice but then being but not being informed enough that i can really st- st- Um, defend my point. I I feel like
0: like the first step is breaking down the idea of alternative healthcare systems. It shouldn't be alternative. It should be complementary. You know, you mentioned a minute ago about your journey and finding the different elements of wellness that have worked for you and your own amalgamation of those things. At the end of the day, whatever therapies are being used they should be for the benefit of the person in front of you. What might work for one person might not be right for Mm -hmm. the others for a a whole range of uh, reasons. And so we need to kind of get rid of that idea of alternative, like it has to be Western medicine or it has to be only naturopathy and go, okay, what is right for the person in front of me? You know, what is actually going to be a minimal gentlest intervention we can make That will get the desired response and sometimes that means drawing from both so if we can first eliminate the idea of those two modalities competing and instead you know uh have both sides of the fence be open-minded to the other then we can actually start to see a shift where we can borrow from all of these you know um all of these
1: bodies of knowledge i suppose and so i mean i imagine that there are lots of people out there who are who would for whom you and uh, your lifestyle is uh, the, the, the dream for to be able to live a passion is kind of what so many people would just think. I know I've made it when I can just spend all day talking yeah. about and doing what I love. So to map that, to give an indication of what that journey was like from the point at which you started making the, the video series to, um, I mean, how long ago was that? And at what stage did the universe start to show you that, yes, you're on the right path. People want this you know, here's a book deal. <laughs>
0: Look, I have doubts. It, it, it still wavers. I flicker between extremes of thinking, yes, this is working out and, and no, oh my God, what am I doing? Am I completely foolish? I don't I don't think there's necessarily, or at least there hasn't been a moment for me yet that I go, yep, yeah, this is it. I've done the right thing. There are still doubts. There are still challenges to overcome, but I don't have a plan B. Whenever I sit down and go, do I have a plan B? No. What else would I be doing? No idea. Um, and so... It it does take a lot of my energy, and it does take an enormous amount of faith that that it will it will work. Um, and when it when things fail, because you've created it yourself, I think you take it very personally, and you probably potentially have an opportunity at that point to just turn your back on it all. But then when you have those wins, and you only need one, you only need a memory of one win to keep you hanging on for the next one, because they are so. Exciting because you've earned it, you've owned it, every part of it is yours. And so, you know, they still come... There's peaks and troughs. Mm. Um, And as soon as you accept that part of the journey, then you can actually just enjoy the fact that, wow, I'm doing what I love. Like, And sometimes it does take another person to point that out because you do forget. Absolutely. Like, I went back to Perth where all my family is for my sister's wedding. Um, And at that stage, I was really... I don't remember what. I was just really stressed. Maybe there hadn't been a whole lot of interest in something or there'd been a couple of delays on jobs or whatever. Um, and I was feeling really flat. Ecstatic for my sister to get married, obviously. <laughs> um, but at the reception, all these people that I hadn't seen in years who had been watching what I'm doing from afar, I said, oh, it's so amazing. You're so lucky. Everything just falls in your lap. You know, I'm like, oh. I mean, sure, they haven't seen the, the, the difficulties, but... I've probably overlooked all of some of the great stuff and I think that we probably um, are the last ones to see our own achievements for what they really are uh, or at least that's that's been the case for me.
1: When you've been um, making that, that journey from it being a passion project to now a career in a sense mm-hmm. so the beginnings of a, of a fruitful career, have you um, had to how have you balanced that getting an income while still giving time to things that you love? Well, that's a very good question.
0: Uh, I mean, I... I I continued to work part-time. I I continued to make sure that I had the income to pay rent and pay my bills. Uh, But that, and obviously... And sometimes that actually meant working full-time and then doing, uh, you know, these passion projects as they were then in my my spare time, which was still a lot of work. And so, but eventually, eventually as you started to get little wins um, on the passion side of things and as soon as you started to be able to turn that passion into an income, I could reduce the amount of uh, perhaps less fulfilling work that I was doing mm-hmm. um, and as soon as I got to a place where I could at least make a, a living, it's great by just doing what I love, I made that jump because that freed up so much more time to invest in it and even though I perhaps wasn't uh, making a fortune just yet, I do think that you it's where you put energy in that is where you're going to receive and where you're going to see the biggest, um, you know, the biggest amount of growth. So I had to just take that leap of faith and go, all right. I guess I'm a full time herb nerd now, possibly the only one. And God, I hope this works out. And for the most part, it has.
1: Um, was your day job complementary to your passion world?
0: Uh, sometimes. So I. <laughs> I probably had a collection of jobs, so I was working part-time just reception at a gym, which kind of of in that general space, you know, um, get to talk to
1: sympathetic people about their
0: lifestyle. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was still modeling uh, at that point, which perhaps not so much relates to the wellness, but definitely coming in contact with people from media and that side of things. Um it's
1: that's never wasted I feel you know you know we, we we've both invested time in that space and you do get a bunch of stuff you don't realize you're going to get when you yeah. sign up to do it it's contacts and industry awareness and even the fact that when you get on to a set when it really matters to you and it's your baby as opposed to you just being the yeah. the talent paid by the hour yeah. to model jeans, <laughs> yeah. um, it's not weird. You don't feel nervous. You actually done it. That's, all before. Very,
0: that's very true. I um, remember my first ever morning television segment uh, as as a naturopath as Rhys Carter, and it's filmed live, so you know you can't mess that up. And I actually remember being apart from the fact that I had a little shot of carver herbal medicine for you know like anxiety before i went out i was actually i I think that i took it fairly well and i thought how would people do this who hadn't had that experience being on camera already um so definitely you know modeling gave gave me that i think the other thing it gave me is a thick skin that actually i I could apply to to answer your question from before about you know um how do you how do you kind of uh, deal with the challenge of not necessarily making an income, of having disappointments. I think the thick skin I developed through modelling and just being looked at and kind of having your worth, uh, you know, delivered to you on the spot and kind of judge right there and then, I think that that really helped as well.
1: When was the first TV appearance that you made as a Herb specialist? So
0: that was maybe... That was last June, so nearly a year ago now. Um, and
1: how did you get to that point? How did they find you?
0: So I... When I was still in Los Angeles, this is probably the best place to pick up the story, I decided, yep, I want to do this. The videos are generating some degree of interest. Let's how long see, ago was that? That was nearly two years ago now. Okay. Two
1: and years ago. The, you put the videos out, and were you, um, what were you clocking in terms of people's enthusiasm? So...
0: Look, I put them on YouTube for a while and they didn't do an enormous amount. And then a friend of mine, uh, Shane, actually, put, yeah, um, said to me, put it on uh, Facebook. I think Facebook videos is a better home for you. Uh, and so I gave it a shot and I put a little bit behind it in terms of money to turn it into an ad. And I think, look, the better videos, anywhere between 80,000 and 200,000 views. Um, the Aloe Vera Eye Gel is still the top one, and that's a bit over 200,000. Right. So, and that's probably the one that got me the interest in Australia. So I just decided, well, let's just see what I can do with this. I did some looking around for agents. I found this amazing agent here in Sydney who just looks after qualified health, wellness, lifestyle professionals. Um, and yeah, she, and I said to her in the first meeting, I, was, and she, I said, I want the book. I was like, I want a book. And that's what I want. Um, television stuff, fantastic, but the book is like, I'm hungry for it now. And to her credit, it, I flew to Sydney And we took a few meetings, and it happened. Um, So I decided, all right, well, this woman clearly knows what she's doing. Moved to Sydney, and it was her that uh, got me in on on the morning television shows.
1: It's so I love the idea of those what I call totems of success. That in our heart, you know, people can offer us all these different things, or they can say, you know, are you interested in X, Y, Z? But we know what we've set out. Uh, it was almost like a little wishy-make
0: the, the book i've wanted to do since i was a kid i actually 15 years ago i told my mum that i was going to write a book and dedicate it to her and it's done like the dedication is to her um she hasn't seen it yet but she will next month um you know and i think that that had always been a checkpoint for me that like, if i if i get there then i've I, If nothing else, I've achieved that. And that was the big one. The book has always, I didn't necessarily know it was going to be this book, but like 15 years ago, I knew I wanted to write books. Um, and writing was, uh, another passion that probably doesn't obviously connect with naturopathy. Um, but it's something I've been doing since high school. Like I used to have this amazingly eccentric English teacher, um, and there was some creative writing project. And apparently I did well. Because he was. He just said to me, look, as long as you're in my class, you don't have to come to the classroom anymore. Go to the library and just write stories. And that's what I used to do. And I just loved it. So an hour of English every day, I would just be writing stories. Um, and although now I'm writing nonfiction, there's still... To write it in an engaging way still demands that you know how to tell a story, I think. Um, and so that's been really fun to incorporate, you know, probably both sides of the brain in a way, like understanding something that is reasonably scientific um, and using, using a, you know, writing essentially, like using creative writing to be able to communicate that in a way that is engaging.
1: Yeah, I, I, for me, that is it. You've nailed what you bring to the table is making this science palatable to yeah. the average person so that they can not only see a practical application of the science in their day-to-day lives but it's desirable enough through the way it's presented I hope so I really <laughs> that they, hope so. that they actually get inspired to want to do it because yeah. that's what I think that there's that is the 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 main purpose that someone who does you know what you do or what Lola does or what you know other people in the space do is those facts have existed yeah. in your instance for probably thousands of years yeah. If you wanted to go to a library, you could find them. Yeah. You know, but what you're bringing to the table is a way to kind of go. Here it is. This is not only f- fabulous and fun, but easy and and exciting. And here are the benefits for a small amount of investment of your time yeah. that you can then have in terms of you know looking great, cool gifts, a yeah, fun, <laughs> a fun weekend spent. You know, Ab- around the house.
0: absolutely. And I think that I think that people connect with personal experience as well. And so you know, the book very much for me, although. It's not autobiographical my journey through natural wellness is woven in there because I think that people relate better to they relate well to other people and so if, if they're feeling like they connect through me and that worked for me and they see how I enjoyed it all of a sudden they can see more benefit for them um and then, oh maybe I want to get on board with that maybe I will grow some calendula maybe I will grow some chamomile so
1: did you did you re uh, articulate another set of goals once you had landed that success totem, which was once the you got book? the book. Did you now think, well, now I want a series. I want a book. Se- I want a series. I want a, well, another book.
0: Well, I I don't know if I'm a. Mm. Hmm. Yes, my new goal was a book every year. Okay, my new book was a series. Um, I'm definitely not telling you that there's a second one coming out next year. I would never give that away uh, it would be an enormous amount of trouble but um, yeah there's, there's hope for future books
1: and also I think if you I mean I, I also love and I'm so inspired by it, as someone who likes books and loves to buy them give them have them around the house like you know I'd much rather have something three dimensional in my hands than experience it digitally maybe because now more than ever we just having anything that gets you off a screen is a joy of its, in and of itself yep. but I am delighted by the fact that it still is a, uh, a good business proposition for an agent to get your book. Yeah in that, you know in this day and age people I'm glad to know, still want them.
0: I think I think that for it to be a commercial kind of proposition you, you, you need to be writing a series really. you need to kind of develop a, a, a brand as an author as awful as that sounds.
1: Um, it, it sounds it sounds awful because for some somewhere, somewhere along the way, we thought, sort of thought the idea of being a of someone embracing being a brand. I, I was describing to a friend who works in publishing what my aspirations for the yep. future were, and he's like, "Do you want to be a brand? Is that where you want to be a, a brand?" And I and I'd never thought of it in those terms. And because he spoke of the idea of being a brand so harshly, I was like, "Well, yeah. I mean, if if I mean if it just if it's presenting a framework through which to view ideology and you know." Concepts in a way that makes them less abstract, then yeah, like I yeah. suppose whatever label you want to attach to that, if you're gonna, I mean, the notion comes from putting a shape on the side of the cow, branding yes. something. Yeah. So, yes, I want to, I want to, you know, imprint my, you know, on all the cows, <laughs> on all the cows, on all the cows. I want <laughs> the cows to know that I want people to know that those are my cows. <laughs> um,
0: look, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's the end goal definitely is to create a, create a wellness brand that people connect with. And I think books first, um, I think that, and I think for it to be worthwhile for an agent and for myself and for a publisher financially, it has to be that way because people who discover me on book three or four might go and buy a back uh, go and buy the catalog. It just so happens that I happen to love the process of writing. So that's, uh, it's certainly not a chore. Um, uh, beyond that, would it be great to see it adapted into other forms of media like television, or even if it's, you know, online video in a in a more polished way than I've done it so far? All of those opportunities are definitely uh, in my sights.
1: And are you still engaging in making video content? Yes. So I actually, um,
0: I went back to Los Angeles to do it. Yeah, I probably could have filmed it here, but I love the crew that I had set up in Los Angeles. So I flew back in February, uh, for a week just to film eight more episodes. Two of those have gone out and I'll just keep dripping those out. over. How the next did you couple of months. find the crew? So that was all through my friend, Nick, who I was living with. Um, he is very generous with his time and fantastically connected. So he had this videographer who he'd worked with at one of the local networks over there. Um, who he'd been using for, Sir, uh, he's got this theatre company, Nick's amazing, he's got this theatre company and had used Devon, the videographer, for a few things there um, and said, so you've got to, you've got to shoot with him um, and then, again, through Nick, found someone who had this beautiful, cute little, like quaint apartment in West Hollywood. Um, he's a Swedish guy with an amazing, a designer with an amazing eye and it's pretty much all furnished from the flea market around the corner so it looked, you know, it was all very homely dream. it was all very homely and naturopathy and it was fantastic. Um,
1: because some I mean, it's in this day and age that many people feel that if they didn't know how to do all those things themselves, they couldn't do them. Yeah. But it's interesting that you have just gone, Well, I don't need to know how to actually shoot and produce a video series, I'll just go and get someone who does and I'm and I'm gonna go to you know the world center but that <laughs> because also that's the nice thing about being in LA is you're constantly interacting with people who are passionate they're there for a reason they're dedicated they're talented they're yep. you know creative and they're wanting to work uh i love the idea that you went to a place that there you know abundance of that well the,
0: just the density of creatives over there makes that kind of a project so much easier and so much more achievable and um even from a, I mean, from a financial point of view, like everything's actually more accessible. You know, it's really hard to do your own filming of that kind of standard, cause it was broadcast quality. Like, you know, we were using great quality equipment, blah, 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 and do that in Australia is really hard. Um, but if you go to somewhere where all those creatives are, it's that much more achievable. And um, not only that, but everyone comes in with their own ideas and,
1: so once you knew that you were able to have a book, did that negate the need to continue doing stuff on social in the, the video sense? As, as in, did you think that you wanted to make sure video was still going to be part of your offering once you already knew that you were doing a book and making a product?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that video connected me to that audience in the first place and so I didn't want to let go of that. Uh, and also, hopefully it would continue to connect me to new people who who hadn't come across what I do yet, um, so yeah, I thought I'm just going to keep filming whenever I can. Um, the, I don't kind of set I must release this many number of pieces of content because life's just a bit too unpredictable to be able to to be able to do that. But yeah, absolutely, it's still a priority to keep creating online stuff. I think that also as much as I personally love. The book, And I love the fact that it's tactile and and real and three-dimensional and it doesn't matter where you put it on your shelf. My message is still contained in those pages. Most people, more people now are accessing information online, you know, through social media, through blogs, through podcasts, um, you know, television. That's where most people are um, taking their information. So it was important to keep that up.
1: Did you have any heroes when you were deciding that you were no longer aspiring to just work in a one-on-one mm-hmm. naturopath- naturopathic sense, but now it was going to be using the platform of presenting the ideas in a few different m- mediums, mm-hmm. media forms. Did you have any heroes that you loved that, who were doing something similar?
0: You know, my, a good mate of mine is Lola Berry. And I think that had I not spent the amount of time that I did with her socially and just see how hard she works and how um, kind of how much faith she's got that it was going to all grow into what it is now and kind of see her build that out of sheer determination without that I'm you know not sure how far along I would have got I'd like to think I still would have achieved it but um, definitely seeing her was a huge inspiration to be able to keep going going all right well this is what I want to do, so the first step is just to go out and do it, you know, that was was probably a really big learning curve, was I had this great idea of, I want to be this herb nerd, I want to be making remedies, I want to, it's a new offering in in health and wellness, Um, but you can't just explain that idea and, you know, have someone go, yes, that's it, we're going to make you, you know hugely successful and rich and perhaps it wasn't like that it was uh, i had to go out and actually do it myself and i had to put the time and the energy and the thought and 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 take a bit of a financial risk and go, okay well this money could go on rent and food but i'm going to put it into producing videos um and making sure that you create it just the way you kind of always imagined it so that nobody has to it's clear to everyone who looks at it what you're doing and and hopefully they see the value in that um, and so I employed that same tactic when I pitched for the book I was like I don't know how to do graphic design stuff but I know I want this to be a beautifully photographed book and so it was just a matter of getting a few photographers to help out getting new images and learning like using this online graphic design software that was you know basically point and click the easiest thing in the world for me and, and I spent Days and days and days, actually turning just my manuscript and my pitch into something that nobody who looked at it had to try and imagine what it was. It was here is my vision right in front of you. Help me make this a a bigger reality. Um, So that was a huge learning thing for me was to go. All right, you can't just have the idea. Um, No one's going to develop you or, or hand it to you on a platter. Convince people that. There's value in it, not just financial value, but there's actually, you know, that it will interest people or that it's information that needs to get out there or that it's a project that absolutely must be um, seen through. Um, and to kind of just take that risk and do it myself was, was the first step.
1: How much does the finished book resemble what you created with point and click software Oh, online? it's
0: much nicer than what I could do. Um, was
1: the aesthetic, did any of the aesthetic carry over? uh it, the cover the
0: co- uh, to be honest the kind, the cover that i uh, i pitched with um, is not completely dissimilar in terms of it in in terms of its layout i suppose the we've got in, in the finished book you know there are a lot more varied textures it's richer and but the kind of those touch points of me actively engaging with the herbs making a remedy you know all of, all of that is um, is the same. And and that was actually a conversation
1: we, we had. Do you feel like you're, you've authored everything from the way the book layout feels and, and translates graphically and yes and no, similarly with the video.
0: Yes and no. I suppose that the benefit with the video, absolutely. Um, with the video, with, with my social media, you know, absolutely. That's all, all me. But I suppose once you, As soon as you work with a team of people, in this case, the publishers, it's no longer just my book, I suppose. Um, My words, my vision, but all of a sudden you've got, along with access to their photographers, their designers, their distribution, everything. um, You've also got a whole lot more kind of people wanting their input and and, and they understand how to make a book a success and they understand uh, publishing in a way that I don't, I suppose. So um, it's... I could never have made this book on my own. Um, I feel it's very authentically me. I love the fact that we shot it up in Bellingen on organic farms. And even though the countryside that I grew up in is much drier and much flatter, I still think it kind of feels like home and it kind of feels like my story um, in there. So I'm thrilled, but I couldn't have done it like that without those guys. And a lot of it is is little pieces of their visions as well. And we're gorgeous collaborated to make something really cool
1: so once you decide that it's going to be that that you are going to take on the mantle of reese carter herb nerd Mm -hmm. does that mean that you stream in your instance have you do you streamline all of your ideas that you're that you're sharing on social and you know does it become part of the same story where you know do you show less of your other parts of your lifestyle and just focus put a frame uh, ab- around you know
0: absolutely I mean I, one story I mean I purposefully kind of keep my Facebook as personal and um, but my I'll be completely honest you know my Instagram is curated um, quite deliberately and that doesn't mean that I don't give glimpses into my personal life and other aspects of myself because of course I do I think that people want to connect with the real person. Um, but people are also there to, to learn or to hear my message or to connect with that. Um, and so there are things that yeah, I, save for, I save for not on Instagram, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I, look, I feel that's the way the world's gone. Once upon a time, Instagram looked like it was going to be Facebook without words. Yes. But now it seems like Instagram are... uh, The way I think of it is almost like Instagram is for the world, but Facebook is for my my friends.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think think you're creating an image on Instagram and that doesn't, again, that's like when we were talking about becoming a brand, that sounds really cold and it's certainly not. I think that you can tell at a glance whether an image being put forward on Instagram is authentic or not. but that doesn't, and everything I put in there is my honest passion and, and um, absolutely true to me. But I also make sure that it's not just kind of everything that ever happens to me and kind of every uh, every you know, meal you eat, exactly every, every place meal I've
1: eaten. you go and every friend you catch up with.
0: I suppose mm. I look at it in the same way that I look at my writing. Is that the way I write? Is I write as if I were a reader. So if, if it doesn't, if it's not meaningful to the person who's going to access that information, why put it there? Um, and so a photo that might mean the world to me of me and my best mates sitting on the beach doing nothing, is that going to be of any value to my audience or is that just value to me and my mates? Probably just to me and my mates, so it doesn't need to go on there. Mm. Um, but yeah.
1: Because, you know, many people would think that they would love to invest time in a passion yep. project like a book. Yet the practicalities of structuring that lifestyle that facilitates that is one entirely other skill set. Yes. Some people try for a long time without being able to work out how that looks and how that how to make that happen. How did you find the time or the mind space or the structure to to write a book? What did it look like for you when you were doing it?
0: Okay, so I, I work best in short, sharp bursts. I never actually spent more than probably two hours of the day writing the book because... After that, my work wasn't any good anyway. So I would take a look. In the first instance, I was like, okay, I want to find a publisher and a book deal by X date. So I need to have this amount written. How how can, how can many hours worth of work is that essentially? Um, and break it down and literally schedule it in. So I would schedule it in as you would schedule a doctor's appointment in or anything. Because otherwise, it's too easy to think, Oh, I can just I can just do that writing next week. I know there's time on Tuesday, and that's when it becomes one of those dreams that you never actually achieve, but always want to do. So, yeah, I had to I had to literally carve out time and just go. I don't care if there's other more grown up things you're meant to be doing right now. Uh, I don't care if <laughs> you don't know if there's going to be a home for this book yet. Um, there certainly won't be if you if you don't get the words down. Um, and so again, just. Prioritizing it alongside other commitments, not as an afterthought, uh, or as a uh, I'd love to do it one day, um, was key.
1: So yeah. And with that, Ben, were you making two-hour blocks um, daily or weekly? How often would you sit down for one it, of
0: those? Uh, at least three or four times a week. Sometimes it would be daily. Um, sometimes, um, yeah, yeah, three or four times a week would be would be average. Um,
1: How long did that process last?
0: it's difficult to say because with this first book, like I said, it was such a, I collected these remedies over time. And, and so, um, you know, I wasn't kind of on a deadline until I signed the contract and they were like, Oh, we want the manuscript in six weeks. Uh, and so that was when I had my first deadline. Okay. I need a complete manuscript of X number of words by that date. And I was like, okay. How how fast how much can I write in in an hour? Okay, I can only I know that I'm only I know that I'm only good for two hour um, blocks of doing this, and by that stage it was it was kind of probably every day every single day. Um, yeah, I, but I just I, I it didn't feel difficult to prioritize time for it because it was something that I wanted so much i suppose uh like prioritizing time to kind of work on social media and, and things like that, that can be a little bit more of a, a chore and, and and i don't always do it well mm-hmm. I, um i i you know there will be weeks where i barely post all the content's rubbish um whereas with writing i think it just it, it did kind of just the process of doing it ignited something in me that i look forward to doing it you know much like you know for some people going to the gym is a chore there are other people who you know it, it's whether it's just habit or whether it's whatever whatever the motivation it's become a must do in a day and so writing eventually became a must do in a day to the point where even aside from the books i i, I carve out two hours on a once a week just for my own pleasurable writing writing stories um yeah
1: great I love it. Did you have to try and fill your well with inspiration of other types of books in the same world to know how to structure a book like this?
0: Yes, so I, there's, um, I kind of, there aren't a whole heap of authors that have written about this kind of thing, or at least, that's actually, that's untrue. There are, but not in this way, I suppose. So I had to look at people like Mimbeam, who's an Australian herbalist, um, who's fantastic, um, and and very knowledgeable, and, and what she did, and then there's a, a, a British guy called James Wong uh, who's an ethnobotanist, so he comes at it more from a botany angle and, and kind of the traditional uses of plants and the interaction with people. And, um, and so, I kind of, and even friends like you know Lola and other friends that are doing amazing things with, with food and nutrition books, I go, okay, these are all the kind of books that sit, sit in this umbrella. Um, what works? what's going to work for me, and how do I pick the little pieces of inspiration that then make a, create a book that makes sense and that is um me i suppose
1: in in your journey from you know being in l a and making some videos on a on a whim mm-hmm. to where you are now, which is you know at an exciting point where things are still you know nothing set in stone, yeah. but it feels like that things are moving in the right direction has there been some really uh, key turning points or some real, the really key moments of uh, like aha moments where you've had a realisation that's kind of set you on that path in a big way or a, a tipping point, so to speak, where all of a sudden it went from being something that was just a long-held fantasy of what could be to, no, this is moving in the right direction. I feel like this is a sign that everything's telling me that it's it's go.
0: I think signing with my agent here in sydney and and signing the book deal with them you know we've spoken about that but they really were the major aha moments because that was the first time i really saw people wanting to get on board wanting to be a part of it um it was it was enormously gratifying and exciting and uh, to see people watch the videos and enjoy it but in my head that could have still just been a passive experience strolling through Facebook and just happening to watch a video and not thinking much of it. When there are other people who are like, we win. we want in on this. We want to help build this. We want to help create this. Um, that was when I was like, Oh my God, there is actually value in doing this. This is actually going somewhere. And this is actually not just my crazy passion project, but a, a viable career option now.
1: So if I were to check in with you in a year's time and you were to be really far along with, some part of your process that you are now getting excited about or fantasizing about and you would say yes I've nailed it I've done it I've nailed the x y z is there something is there can I have two yes please <laughs> I want the second book uh-huh.
0: I want a second book and I would like a a am I'm going I'm going to say a TV adaptation basically of the garden apothecary uh, whether when i say tv whether that's finds its home on more of a streaming service or whether it's kind of more traditional commercial television i'm not not fussy uh, but i think it needs to needs to move to the screen they're the two that that that's 12 months from now where i'd like to see it
1: And with this face, how could it not?
0: Also, it has to be in the next year because this face actually is starting to sag. It's not what it was when we met. Oh, well, hey, it's
1: been a rough 10 years for all of us. Um, Reese, thank you so much. Thank you, Dad. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked anything that you heard on today's show, please subscribe. But the best thing you can do is to share it with someone, anyone, everyone, who may find it inspiring. I'll also be featuring highlights from this and all the podcast conversations on my Instagram at Dan Brophy. Until next time, make a vision board.